Hi everyone, this is Birgit O'Connor and welcome to the World of Watercolor Painting podcast. Now the intention of what we're trying to do is help inspire you to continue painting, give you tips and techniques. We'll be doing interviews and you'll also get to hear some of my live meetings. Now I know that you won't actually be able to see what we're doing, but there's lots of little nuggets in there that I think that you're going to find really helpful. So in today's podcast, we're starting our Atmospheric Landscapes course, and we'll be discussing paper, paints, brushes, pigment numbers, how much water to put in your color blend, and so much more. So I look forward to you joining us, and let's get started. So let's see, I'm going to just take a quick peek and who we have here. Hi, Bob. I see you there. I have you muted. <laughs> We have a gentleman. That's nice. And uh, here, I'm going to unmute you. Hi, Bob. How are you? I am good, thanks. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad you're joining us. It's, you know, it'd be nice if I could get all my gentlemen together because I usually have one or two in each class. So it's, uh, it's nice to see you and you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. There's a whole room full here. <laughs> Yes, yes. Online. And uh, so I'm so glad that you're joining us. And we just have one minute. And um, so, Bob, uh, we, we have a lot of people that have already been in my courses that are with us today. And Elizabeth, are you there? I like that. Are there? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth, I wanted to show you look very cold there. I'm going to unmute you because I wanted to see what's on your back wall. Oh, okay. Go ahead and talk so I can see that. Let's look at all those paintings. Now, if I could just be quiet for a second. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> These are all the paintings I've been doing with you. This, I think I started this summer. I wouldn't say June, maybe July. I can't remember exactly when, but I've got the fearless flowers. I'm just moving the computer. I don't know if that's better or worse. And then um, all up top are the flowers, fearless flowers, um, one and two are up there and then the um uh the photo reference one that we did is the one back down there with the eclipse and me bringing my horses home after they escaped yeah. and then i've got a bunch of others so yeah and i put a mat on it uh, yesterday oh, no. and i went to the the um the frame shop and had her cut me one because i just it wasn't it just didn't feel right you know it just didn't seem right but as soon as I put that darn mat on it changed everything so yeah I'm quite happy with it now yeah I was going to piddle a little bit more with it but I'm going to leave it alone I think now so yes thank you for all your help with that class thanks that was wonderful well so what was uh, thank you so much let me go ahead and make sure that um, I uh, mute you again so uh, Beth what she just did was an amazing um, landscape from my develop your own painting um, course and she took a night scene of an eclipse and horses and snow and uh, that's what we were looking at there so i just wanted to see that i was so impressed with your background there okay so uh let's see the kit photo from judy the kit photo uh, your palette showed colors not on your list um will you yes i'm going to go through all of that so we're going to go ahead and get started and it doesn't look um 
like anybody else has any other questions that I can see. And unless unless you see a question that I am not addressing, some of you already know the tools, and then you can just unmute yourself and shout out and tell me that I need to address a question. And yes, what I'm going to do is go through my um, palette and all that other information too. But what I want to just... Um, because I want to know if you have any questions, then you can address it right now. All right, so here we go. We just have our welcome and about the copyrights. What the copyrights are is just where you don't take the exact image or any painting that you've done as a lesson and then put it into a show because what will happen if you do that is that it, it doesn't matter where you live, somebody seems to see it and then contact me and then they can actually contact the show and then uh, sometimes force you to take your painting out, which you don't want. And the other thing is, um, so what I, that, what I want you to do is take the lessons and the skills that you're learning in this class and then apply it into your own paintings. And that's uh, what Beth did there. She interpreted it into her own painting, which was amazing. Our live meeting schedule is right here. The material list is right here. And something new that I've been doing is creating a kits on Amazon, which has been really, really fun for me. And this one here has, uh, I'll take a look. I know there was something that came in on the chat. And if I don't address it at the end of the meeting, then I will try to get back to it and address it in my email to you. So what, what this does is actually um, show you the brushes right there that I usually use for this. Arches paper, now you can probably get it a little cheaper perhaps like through Dick Blick or, or Cheap Joe's because a lot of times they have um, special sales. And uh, let's see, you can, let's take, I guess we can take a look at some of this too. Here's the palette that I use. I've had so many people that didn't know how to find that palette. So here we go. And this just gives you a general idea. I have different kits on for other courses, but I just think of how can I make it a little easier for you. Now, if you're a, like a, wanting a student grade, which I'll show you in a second too, you can get a, I don't necessarily want to click on these, but there is a travel set and you get the idea. Okay, and then down here, there is my general uh, material list that you can print out. You might already have everything at home. And I'm going to go through this and let's take a look. Uh, these are the colors that I would always use, but then I change it once in a while and you'll be able to get um, away with a lot of the things that you already have. Now, when it comes to this PBO drawing gum, that is something that I usually have as a staple in my um, material lists but we've been having a lot of problems with that. And we don't necessarily need that in this class. So with the um, masking fluid, I've been switching over to a different one. It's an incredible, uh, what is it? Incredible white mask. It's by graphics. Anyway, you can always email me about that. All right, so here's the palette setup. And the palette setup is just to give you an idea. You do not have to set it up this way. This is the way I have had mine set up originally. Like when I first started out, I really didn't know what I was doing. So what I ended up doing is um, separating them 
into families of color, and then just work my way around the palette. Now, if you're absolutely new to painting, you may want to set it up more like a color wheel, so the color on the opposite side, when mixed together, creates a neutral color. Now, I, for years, have never paid much attention to having um, neutral colors, I, I because it kind of dulled things down. But when it comes to this class, neutral colors are great. But if you don't even know about it, don't worry. It's not a big deal. Even though it sounds like a big deal, not in my mind. Uh, we will work with it. And then this right here gives you an idea of the materials. So just so you can go over and if you want to join the Facebook group. Now, I know not everybody's interested in a Facebook group. I have, I have multiple groups there. And um, I have a student's a student group for online students, which is, and I have one for workshops, but the student group, that way you can communicate with everybody if you'd like, and then I have one specifically for this course. And if, if I'm not responding to you in a timely uh, manner, just tag me because I might not see it. And I think let's start, let's start with this. It's in my hand, might as well. Okay. Now, when it comes to my looser style of painting, I'm actually using more of this brush, the synthetic wash brush, which you'll also see in the um, poinsettia painting, just because I want more of an even layer of water. But when it comes to what we're doing, the atmospheric landscapes, I'm looking for more of a puddle of water. So I'm using the bamboo hockey brush. And if you, now this one is a very inexpensive one. You can get one that's better made. Now, the only reason why I'm not suggesting the better made ones is because this has a lot of hair and the other ones don't necessarily have the same amount of hair and they're usually shorter and this holds a lot of water. So a good fix for this is to take a little super glue. I would take the liquid kind, hold it up like that, squeeze it in, work it in with a little toothpick. Let's see if I can get a little closer there just like that, and then let it dry, and then you're pretty good to go. And if you do lose hair and debris, all you're going to do, which I'll, um, I'll do as we go along, but to give you an idea, I would take a number three synthetic, and I'm wondering if I should, uh, you can let me know if you can see this okay. If you can't see it or you need it closer, just let me know and I'll bring the camera down. You would just take a number three synthetic like that, Get it wet, wipe it off. Don't worry if you don't uh, follow everything right now because we'll go through this over and over again. And then I would fan this out just like that. And then I would pick it up with just a flick of my wrist. So, all right. So let's take a look at, we've got those brushes. Now, one thing that's important uh, let's see, we've got the paper. I really want to go over that, but I wanted to talk to you about brushes since that's what I'm focusing on right now. Okay, when it comes to the brushes, I like to use for this particular painting style, I like to use a natural, a blend, and let's see, I hope I, I might not have I can't believe it if I didn't put this out here, would be a synthetic brush. Now a synthetic brush, let's see if I can find one. I apologize for this. I use, oh, there it is. Always have it right there. And here's a synthetic brush. So I'm gonna go ahead and I think that should give you a pretty good view of this. Let me get this out of the way. Now a synthetic brush, 
they're going to be the least expensive and they have a good spring. They just pop right back really easily. And how you're going to tell it's a synthetic brush is if you turn it to the side like this and you see a consistent shine through this, that's a, a synthetic brush. And what I also want to do is go over the amount of water in your color here so you have a better idea. But what right, right now what we're doing is discussing the amount of water and color a brush holds. So a synthetic brush has a good point to it, a lot of spring, and you'll have a lot of control with it. But what happens is that you can easily run out of water and color as you go down because it's going to hold the least amount of water and color. Now a blend brush is between the control and having a lot of water holding ability of the natural brush. So we would go back in, grab our color, and we should be able to go a little further before it runs out of water. So you can see how dry that is and how we were able to go a little further. Then if we used a natural brush, trying to find one about the same size. Now, we all think that we've arrived as artists once we get a Kalinske brush, but when you use a Kalinske brush, sometimes what happens, well, most of the time, what happens is it easily flops over to the side and you almost can't really paint with it, you know, until you really get a hang for it. So here, use this has some Kalinske, squirrel, and Rus Russian fitch and oxhair. So that means it has more water holding ability and you're able to get the control that you need. Okay, do you see how much further I can go with my water and color? So the ox hair ends up giving it that spring so it doesn't just completely flop over to the side. So we're able to go a long ways with that. And you can see how it has a bend to it. And if you remember, the synthetic brush really bounced back straight. So this is uh, why we have a difference in the brushes. This is good if you don't need a lot of water when you, you're painting really tight, and this is for nice flowing color. Now, if I used a brush like this, that's going to hold too much water, and that's more like a mop. It's not necessarily a mop, but it's more like it. I'll show you a mop. A mop is like this. So, now, I basically use my number 30 to apply my water and color and tighter areas and soften edges of color. If I try to use a, like my mop or this brush, both of these are going to hold a lot of water and I can easily get blossoms back into my painting. So that's why, oops, that's why I suggest the number 30 here. Now if I'm, I'll show you why I'm using the number 30. But to apply color, I usually use my blend brush. Okay, I'm just grabbing some water and color in here. And I'll tell you another reason why I like to use the blend brush is if I use a natural brush like my number 30 or any other brush, the synthetic will be fine. If you grab your color, bring it into your palette here, you can easily have little chunks of color hiding in there. And then like you have a nice wash for your sky and then all of a sudden have a stroke of color right there, which you didn't plan on. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead now, I would not clutch my brush a lot. I've seen people do it. And depending on your painting style, some people paint like that. But I'm going to be painting like this. And if I want a looser stroke, I'm holding my brush higher up the handle. Okay, so let's go ahead and just get a stroke of color down here. 
And then I'm going to use my number 30, apply it in the water, remove, oops, you can't see that. Just remove some of it. And then I'm going to soften that edge of color. And then if I've softened that, I'm going to bring it down a little further so that color continues, I'm sorry, so the color can continue to travel. Because if I just leave it right there and the water has nowhere to go, it's going to flush right back into that color. Now don't worry, we're gonna cover all of this over and over again as we go. Now the palette I like is a Richeson palette and it has um, shallow wells. It doesn't have those deep wells. I mean, you can really use whatever works for you. Some people like to use plates and that's fine if that is what you have. Now the reason why I'm using this in not a deep well palette is if I go from my water into my well, I could continually add more water, which will dilute the color, and then I'm not going to get that color intensity that I'm looking for. And then now when it comes to mixing my water and color in my palette, let's look at that. That's a pretty good uh, mixture right there. But if I was Okay, so like if we were like this, I don't go from my well directly into my painting, otherwise you can have a big streak of color, and then it's going to dry really quickly, and then you can easily get blossoms. So what I'm doing is I'll take my color from my well, bring it into my palette, and you can see how that's not running right there, and the other one is, that's because that doesn't have enough water in it. So what I need to do is bring a little more water, Okay, just so we can get it to move a little bit. Let's see, hopefully you can see that. So that's what I'm looking for. And again, we'll continue to discuss this as we go. Now let's talk about, um, oh, let's talk about the color. Since I have it right here. Now I like to use the, um, Windsor & Newton professional grade colors, and I also do like some Daniel Smith colors. But now my favorite combination when it comes to landscapes is really using a French ultramarine blue and burnt sienna. But if I use that same color in a Daniel Smith brand, it doesn't give me the color that I'm looking for. It ends up being more of a gray black color instead of a blue gray. So that's really why I'm using this. And now, don't get concerned if some people will say, oh, you know, about the pigment numbers. People can go crazy about that. That really never means anything to me. And um, so for you people that just didn't like that, <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. And the reason why it doesn't mean anything to me, yes, you can use the same pigment numbers and then get the same color in another brand. And But the problem is, is that each brand, even if they use the same pigments, the ex, you know, even if um, they're using the basically same exact combination, there's going to be a wide, a wide variety of hue within that combination. So uh, the Daniel Smith color has the same colors, but their hue is slightly different than what I have here in the Windsor & Newton brand. Okay. So now if you are uh, like just starting out, now I would consider these, which are Yarka colors. I think they're Yarka. 
these would be more for kids. And I know some professionals will use them, I guess. That's what I hear, but I haven't seen any. I don't necessarily like the combination of the uh, colors when blended. And I would keep these more for children. And so when you see my watercolor for kids and young at heart, I mean, I really work hard to try to work with these and try to get good color. But when you blend them together, it can be a little frustrating. But when you're working with kids, you really try to keep it affordable. Another thing that's okay that I thought worked all right was Reeves watercolor. Now I got that, uh, I got this one at Michael's. And again, I would keep this more for kids. And I would also stay away from opera because opera is a fugitive color. And um, the reason why I was thinking about, I just thought of that when it came to this particular brand. It doesn't necessarily have an opera, but it's, it's an okay brand, but again, a student quality. Now, better student quality brands are the Grumbacher. Let's get this out of the way. And the Cotman. Now, if you have a little Cotman set like this, this is great for traveling. It comes with a travel brush, which I don't have in here. But if you're trying to do a good wash, it's a little challenging to get your brush in here. But you can do it. And this is nice to just use the tube colors and squeeze it into the plate. So I'm trying to give you options that you can use. And um, they're more affordable. But, uh, and I have them in the kit, but I, you know, you decide what works the best for you. You're going to have the best results with, profe with professional grade watercolors. Now, when it comes to the paper. Birkett, somebody asked the question about the difference between French ultramarine and just ultramarine. Thank you, Shirley. I, I so appreciate that. You know that. And, uh. Thank you so much. Okay, French ultramarine blue has heavier and bigger, larger particles in it, and ultramarine blue is basically the same color, just smaller, finer ground particles. Thank you. All right, and then when it comes to the paper, I use the, um, you can use the 140 for exercises, like as you begin, we're going to work with moving water and color around, just move it around, and then you're going to work into uh, another little demonstration here by trying to create some grass and some clouds and all that. We'll talk about that in just a second. Anyway, your 140 will be just fine for that. Oops, that's the back of another painting. And I'm going to talk to you about sizing in one second. So the 140 will be fine. You can use student quality for the simple exercises, but your results are not going to be the same. And with like a, a very inexpensive student quality paper, like this is a Canson, something like that, what will happen is it has more wood pulp in it, so the color is not going to soak into the paper the same way and you're just not going to get exactly the same results but it's good for testing color and simple things now if you're using a um, a paper like this this was a good piece of watercolor paper but what happened was the sizing deteriorated and sizing is really important and that's why if you've been in some of my other courses, you know, we've been having this discussion about the Arches watercolor paper and how the 
They say they haven't changed their formulation, but it is reacting differently. It isn't moving the same way. And what they're saying is that they just changed the sizing about 2% and they're only sizing the front and not the back. It's a little complicated. So it's extremely frustrating. Anyway, the point being, here we go. This is a piece of paper. This is good watercolor paper, but the sizing has deteriorated and there should be no reason for that because it's in the same place where all my other paper has been. And what happens is if I try to apply water like this and no sizing, it's soaking directly into the paper. And then if you're trying to create a nice big wash or control color, get it to flow, you can see it's really, I mean, it's sort of flowing, but it really isn't flowing. And do you see those little spots? That's because it's soaking into the paper. Now, there was, um, now, something I've seen over the years is the Windsor and Newton paper around the edges would always have this same problem, and that's because the sizing wasn't consistent. But they have changed their formulation, and it should be better. So, again, I really want you to see that if you're having problems, it may not be you. <laughs> It may not be your application. It can be the paper. So let's take a look at that on, let's do the same thing on Arches paper. This is Arches 140. Now I like the harder sizing, but they have changed. And then I've heard that their one, uh, their, I'm sorry, their rough paper might be not so bad. We'll see. Do you see how it's moving compared to that? Let's go ahead and add more. I would still personally go with the Arches paper. It just has a softer sizing to it, and I still think it's very workable. Okay. So you can see how that's moving. The harder sizing keeps the water and color more on the surface, and I'm able to work with it more. So this is leading us into some of those exercises that you're going to start with. Because the very beginning is going to be uh, these exercises right here. Because it's really important for you to get familiar with moving the water and color around on the surface, how much water is in the palette, and just getting that effortless look. So anyway, that'll give you an idea. Birgit, somebody also asked if the brush size correlated to color intensity. Well, it depends on, because you could either load the brush, let's see. Okay, let's go ahead and find my professional. Thank you, Shirley. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Okay, so let's say I have a, I love having my lovely assistant there. Okay, so I have my water here, and let's say I have a smaller brush, or here is a number eight. It's not necessarily going to affect the color intensity as much as it's going to affect um, your application. You can see that 
that doesn't go a long way. And there's a lot of water on the surface. You're not applying a lot of color here, so then it's easily going to dilute. Now, if I have a large sky, I can still use my number 20 blend. That's a good all-around brush. But you may have a tendency of not putting enough color down. So here, that's a little better. And then if I go ahead, you can see that the strokes are getting larger. And I can wiggle my brush like this if I have enough water on the surface and if the sizing is okay. And if I want a richer intensity of color, I can apply color to dry paper, but it's going to dry faster and you can get blossoms. I'm trying to, I thought I put enough color in my palette, but it looks like I have to grab more. Let's go ahead and do that. So, yeah. Birgit, can you explain the difference between the Fabriano watercolor paper and Arches in your experience? Okay, that's a good, great question. Okay, first of all, I'm going to finish this. Do you see how that's really rich? Okay, so if I come in and I want to apply water in here to soften that edge, that's fine. But this is going to be really wet. That's going to be drier. So what I would usually have to do is try to push this back and move it around. It's all about moving the water and color around. So when it comes to the Fabriano paper, I think it's wonderful paper. And I honestly, to tell you, for years I wasn't very fond of it just because I couldn't get what I wanted out of it. And what I also found is that the color seemed to be not as intense on it. And that's because the, um, let's just go out of this for one second. I'll just switch this. Okay, just so you can see me instead of that there. The color would continue to soak into the paper, and I, I just couldn't get that really, really rich color that I wanted. And it also doesn't move in the same way because it's got a very soft sizing to it, but mm -hmm. I really love it when it comes to the looser style of painting. And I mean, I'm, I just moved everything around today in here, and I made just a giant mess. But um, anyway, so it's more it's more perfect for the loose style, yeah. Than the arches, yeah. I prefer mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Does that help for mm -hmm. you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, because it. So if I had the Fabriano, I think I would have to force it more by having more water on it, and then just you know intentionally lifting it like that. Because mm -hmm. this is the one forty anyway. Just so, mm -hmm. the idea. Uh, so, and the arches, the colors are more brilliant, more vibrant. Yes, they have been, except like I said, I'm not happy with what they've been doing with the paper lately. Oh, everything is changing. Yeah. Yeah, I just love that, especially like um, when, like I, when I've written my books and then I talk about things. I mean, I just expect things to stay the same way and they don't. Like I used to have the Indian yellow, which are, no, I'm sorry, the new gamboge, which I loved the Windsor and Newton new gamboge. And then they decided to change the formulation. So then I switched over to the Indian yellow because that was close, but you really don't necessarily need that. If, um, you know, you're going to use whatever you have. So you don't have to really worry too much if, if you don't have it right, you know, we're going to work with what you've got. 
because again, if you're using a student quality set, the colors are going to be slightly different. Their blue, their French ultramarine blue is not going to look necessarily the same. Their indigo is not going to look the same. So we're going to work with what you've got. And um, okay, so oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I had that off. That's my mom. <laughs> okay, so let's put that over to the side. All right. Are there any other questions right now before I continue? And you can unmute yourself or uh, thank you for the uh, links there. I appreciate that. And then everybody, you can look in the chat. I'll also post the chat next to the uh, recording. And Elizabeth, oh, Beth, you still like the Yarka. That's good to know. Okay. And what was the brand of the first paper? Oh, gosh. Um, are you talking about the one that had the sizing issue? Yes, yes, that's the one, the one with the sizing issue. Okay, I'm trying not to say that, but okay, that, uh, that <laughs> one, uh, that was actually Richeson paper, which I was really surprised. And also, I've had that same issue with the Kilimanjaro paper. And, um, but I don't have a lot of the Kilimanjaro paper. That's a Cheap Joe's paper. I think, I think Cheap Joe's paper really creates a wonderful edge to it. So. Now here's something that happens with the papers. Now, like when it comes to a line, like this little line around there, is that it's more pronounced when it comes to the softer sized papers like the um, Fabriano or the um, Kilimanjaro, something like that. And uh, I would, I, sorry, my, I just had another thought. So that's, and I thought, where is that little piece of paper, but it has nothing to do with the landscapes. I did a floral, I did some paper testing for a company. I can't remember which brand it was. I, it was an article I did for uh, Artist Magazine. And what happened was it had a softer sized paper. And I, I don't think it was Stonehenge. I, can't, I just can't remember. I mean, it felt wonderful. But the problem was, which I thought was, really interesting and i think you may have that same kind of problem with the softer sized paper like um maybe the kilimanjaro you know with so that's what i'm thinking of softer ones like kilimanjaro or uh, fabriano just something to be aware of the painting ended up looking more flat you know i had a um which i was surprised it's great for the looser style intentional painting but when it came to having that richness that what I'm looking for in the florals at that time, it just was very, very flat. So you're going to experiment and see what you like. So, okay, let's go back to this. Okay, so as you get started, you're going to practice some little, uh, little things like this. In fact, I'm going to, I think I'll do a little demonstration on that. Now, this is the way I usually start all of my workshops, live workshops, because I want to see the amount of water and color that you're using. So basically, you can use a brush like this. You can use a number 30. The point being is that I want, you, I want to see how much water you're applying, and I want to watch the flow of it. This is going to be a good exercise for you when it comes to testing your papers. Now, it would work fine on that student grade. Remember I showed you this one? That was a Canson paper. It has that slicker size surface, but it's 
I mean, you can do it. It's just not going to give you the results that that I want to get. I do like the, uh, let's see if I have, I think, okay. This is a Fabriano also, so let's give it a try. We'll give that a try in just a sec. All right, so what you're going to start with is maybe a quarter sheet size paper. Get your water and color down. Okay, I'm using this because having this brush, I'm able, it has a point, I'm able to get the control that I want. You can also use a mop if you want to, but when it comes to doing florals, I really need that point. When it comes to the landscapes, it's not as critical, so you could use that, or even a brush like this. Okay, I want to make sure I've got a good amount of water there. And for this size, I'm thinking I can use a, a number 14 blend brush instead of a 20. And the reason being, that can still work, but that can flood that with too much color, especially if I want to try to keep a highlight. And that's, I just want you to know that. And for, let's see, I'll show that to you in a minute. Okay, so what I would do, and we don't really need to try to control any edges with this, not for this particular subject. And also how you hold your brushes is uh, gonna make a difference. Now, if I go like this and flatten it, I might just kind of wipe the water off the surface. So what I'm gonna do is tilt it more. You don't have to worry if you're not doing it. Um, or, you know, if you're just, if you think, oh, I need to do it perfectly, there is no perfect. I just want you to have a better idea of what's happening. So if I go like this, I'm releasing more water, and then I can move it. Now, this is how we're going to create a little rainstorm, even though that this is uh, not like cloud colors, all right? So what we're doing is just working with the water and color on the surface. I thought that this would be a prettier color for you to see and practice with. That's why I'm using this. Okay, so you're going to work with moving your water and color around. And then to get the water off the surface, what I would do is just create a little pool and then just use my number 30 brush and lift the water and color out or let it run onto the table, just like that. And if you want, you can mix another color in there. I mean, some people can just spend all day doing this. This is very meditative and wonderful. And let's try the Fabriano paper first before I do anything else. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and use my hockey brush. Now, again, this is the hockey brush. It's softer. It lays down more of a puddle of water, which is what I'm looking for. And how about if we use the number 20 blend brush to apply the color? Again, going back to the palette, let's look at the water consistency. I want it to move on the surface. If I go like a, a lot more pigment, it's just not going to travel. So I want some water in my color. Then I'm going to go ahead and touch the surface. And actually, for your question on the Fabriano, this is the one Artistico that came in a pad, and that's working very nicely. Or in a block, sorry. 
Okay, so just work with it. That's the basic idea. It's giving me what I want on here. So I'm going to go ahead and let that go off to the side. And let's see, if I used my synthetic wash brush, because why you're going to need to know this is when we want to get to those larger washes for those very dramatic skies. So if I use my synthetic wash brush, it's less likely to lose hair. Well, it's just not going to lose hair. But what's going to happen is it's going to apply more of an even layer of water. And if I want, if I want it to flow more, I have to really be conscious of applying a lighter touch and having more of a puddle. Okay, so this has more of an even layer of water on the surface. Okay, you can see the bamboo hake compared to the um, synthetic wash brush. Let's remove some of that extra water. Now what you could do is you could always come back in and soften it and move it. My, oops, we've lost that. There we go. You can move that. The only problem is my concern is that it can start to look overworked. So that gives you an idea on those papers. And why, the, oh, let's see. Very good. Do you yeah. ever use the hot press? Yes, I don't. Um, the, the hot press is good for more botanical work and sorry, I'm just turning around on the other, other. It's good for more botanical work and you can do very loose paintings on that. Uh, it doesn't, it has, it has a different kind of effect, but you can try it. You might really like that effect. Mm -hmm. I, I have found that the colors come out pretty good, more vibrant. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the Fabriano hot press uh -huh. than on the 140 uh, cold press paper. Mm -hmm. I, I think you'll get a lot more blossoms with it, but that's okay. You know, you can create a very loose painting style. In fact, I've got some over there, but I don't have it torn down. And I think I'll do that for the future so we can mm -hmm. Now, what I wanted to show you is what we've got here and using that same technique and how to create that little storm. Just a beginning. You're going to start working through these lessons. Now, my intention was to do um, different things in some ways with you today, but I, I think we're probably not going to have the time for that. Oops, I'm using this. I want to add more water to this. Okay, I want a nice puddle of water on there. And let's make a little storm. I'm going to take a little indigo. I just want you to see what you can do. And again, this is already in the course. So it's actually kind of a pink. It's not like I want it pink. I didn't care if I got rid of that. I'm going to take the indigo, a little French ultramarine blue, a little bit of the burnt sienna. Now you can also use burnt umber. And what I'm looking for is a good color consistency in here. I want it to flow. And I'm thinking, do I want to use my number 14 or 20 blend brush? I'm going to load it. See how I'm really picking up my color like that. I'm holding my brush like this so I don't release the color and then I'll go ahead and then tip it like that so then I'm able to release 
more of that water and color. So you'll be coming up to something similar to this, and then you're going to lift and tilt. Now, if you go back and forth, the color is going to go to one side and the other. I want you to tilt it like that. Let's get that color to move. And just play with it going back and forth like that. Someone asked what kind of a table you're using to paint on. Thanks. This is just a little drawing table. I bought it at a garage sale. <laughs> but it's a good table. A lot of times when I'm doing demonstrations, it'll be at just a six-foot table. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy. So you see what I'm doing right here, just moving it back and forth. And if it moves, if it doesn't move, I just came back in and touched it or redirected the water to that area. And that's a little a leftover masking from a demonstration. And then I'll go ahead and put some grass in. Like this was, uh, I wanted to do a bigger demonstration, something similar to this, but uh, we'll see as we go. Okay, and then you can put some little grass in there and move it around. Anyway, you have the lesson on this in the course. And what that is, so let's take a look. It's going to be something like this, moving the water and color around. It starts to lead you into those dramatic skies. And whatever you see, like wherever you are, you might have a different, um, you might want to use the Daniel Smith French Ultramarine Blue and Burnt Sienna Blend. Maybe you want it to be more uh, black gray, somewhere in there. So using that same idea, you see how we can start to change it? And change the feeling and having the like you really don't need a lot of definition in there that is all with just moving your water and color around now so you can let's say you have something like this and you want to make it more dramatic or more defined and I see that we've got Anne here I think Anne you were when I think you were with me when I did this up there in Calistoga so I want, I just love this painting. I like the drama of this and I'd like to work more with uh, other landscapes similar to that. But, and I thought about doing a demonstration today, but I, we're just not going to have the time to do that. So we'll see. So we've got this. And the other thing that can happen is that you can run into blossoms. Oops, trying to make that. There we go. And here's a blossom. So I thought it would be good to show you, let's see how we can get rid of it. Now, if this is happening while it's still damp, what I would do is just maybe re-wet everything and try to move it back and forth. And a, a lot of times you can just crop it. That's the most common solution. But when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I don't, I think I can fix this. So my water is not very clean. I'm just going to go ahead and wet everything again. I could just wet it right there, but I'm trying to keep some consistency. And I have that little magic eraser. I just tore a little piece off. I'm getting it wet. Then I'm squeezing out the extra water. And you don't have to rub hard. So most times you can just do this. Just barely touch it and change it. I think a lot of people use the original one without any detergent in it. You don't want the detergent. 
Now look at that magic. Isn't I am so impressed with myself. <laughs> and then what I do is after I've done that, I'll take a brush and just wipe over it again so it's more even. Now this was 300 pounds. That was like a little magic trick. And I could work with it more if I wanted to, but you don't necessarily have to. So when you're using that little flow of color, like I showed you, now this had too much water on it. I've got that blossom. So let's try to do the same thing here. Let's fix this. Let's see if we can. This is 140. The 300 is much, uh, much more durable and fixable. Okay, so I'm looking at this. I'm letting the water soak for a second. Let's see if I can just do the same thing. My tendency is not thinking I want to do that. I'm just going to move it like this. Now, when you're doing that, take this, rinse it out again. Otherwise, you're just rubbing that color all over the place. Let's try to even out some of those. Now, that might not work on the 140 the way I'd like it to. So I'm thinking, can I take my number 30? Try to get some of those lighter areas out. So what I just did there is I thought, okay, how about if I just wipe the surface off a little bit? I'm going to reintroduce more water, but I just didn't want to continue to add the water to the surface. So we've got this. And now to hide some of that, I'm thinking I'm going to use, thinking do I want my 14 or a number 20? That needs to be hidden a little bit better. So I'm going to use my number uh, 20. Let's see if you can see that. And what I'm thinking is since I don't have a ton of water in there, it's going to gradually move down. So do you see how I'm holding the paper? I'm always moving it. Just play with the water on the surface. This is one of my favorite things to do. I just love this one. And you can just let it uh, go further if you'd like, add more water into it if you want. Like right there, if you want it to move more. It's all in the lesson, so you'll get an idea. That, and then what we do is take the tape off. Now, when I work on my big florals, I don't usually use tape. But what I like with these landscapes is if you tape the edges, it just really frames it nicely. See, does anybody have any questions? And let me switch over to this. Can I, can I just weigh in here? Yeah. This, this is Beth. Hi, Beth. The live webinars are wonderful to attend, but a person doesn't fall behind if you don't make the class because yeah. you can watch it at a later date. And just to everyone, Birgit is amazing at responding to anything you post on the painting, post the paintings part of the class. And I find I get as much from Birgit's responses to my posting as I do to actually attending the meeting. And, and if it's for the demo, you can watch the video after to see the demo that Brigitte does. It's just, you know, it's just a wonderful method of, um, of learning. And um, if you miss a meeting, you don't have to feel like you've fallen behind. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Happy painting. And thank you for joining me today. All right. Talk to you soon. You can find the recording on the class board. So thank you for joining me today and I hope that you had a lot of fun listening to all these tips and techniques. And if you're interested in becoming one of my students, just go to my website, birgitoconnor.com, then online courses, or you can follow the link below. 
And there, if you'd like, you can take one of my free classes, and then you'll be in my system and eligible for student discounts. So until next time, happy painting.